Hey folks, it's Andrew Meborn. Now, before jumping in, I've got to tell you about Unleash 2021. On May 11th through 13th, we're focusing on how to win together in the new sales era. You'll learn new go-to-market strategies, get deeper funnel insights, and actionable takeaways for your entire org from revenue leaders at high-growth startups and Fortune 500 companies. And our very special guests are none other than Guy Raz, the podcaster and author of How I Built This, and Carrie Lawrence, the first female fighter pilot in the U.S. Navy. Come save your seat for this high-energy online event at unleash.outreach.io. Now, let's get into it. Welcome to the Sales Engagement Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Outreach, the leading sales engagement platform, and they just launched Outreach on Outreach, the place to learn how Outreach, well, does Outreach. Learn how the team follows up with every lead in record time after virtual events and turns them into revenue. You can also see how Outreach runs account-based plays, manages reps, and so much more using their own sales engagement platform. Everything is backed by data pulled from Outreach processes and customer base. When you're done, you'll be able to do it as good as they do. Head to outreach.io slash onoutreach to see what they have going on. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome back everyone to the Sales Engagement Podcast. You're hanging out with Scott Barker and thank you as always, I say it every week, for lending us your eardrums for the next 30 minutes. Everything's vying for your attention these days and uh, I'm grateful you decided to to spend it with us. And as always, we're going to bring the heat. It's going to be a great episode. I am joined by Jesse Rothstein. Jesse, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on. I feel like it's been a long time coming. Bounced around the calendar a little bit. So excited to finally be doing this. So for the listeners, Jesse is currently a global account manager at a small little company called, uh, called LinkedIn, who we all know and love. We all probably spend way too much time of our, our working hours on, on LinkedIn. Uh, I know I certainly do. Huge, huge fan. And he's also the author of Carry That Quota. So he has written a book where he's sharing all of his lessons, how to figure out if sales is the right career for you, how to have a productive career, and some tips, tricks he's learned along the way. But that's the abbreviated version, man. I always like to hear it directly from you because you've been at LinkedIn seven years. I can't even imagine the growth and the, the journey you have had there, let alone you know before that. So for those joining us, uh, I usually kind of word it as your superhero origin story. How'd you get to where you're at today? <laughs> well, you know, Scott, um, my mentality in terms of my day-to-day is pretty simple. I, I like to do simple things really well over time. And I believe when you do the simple things really well over time, they add up and equal really big things. And I've been um, subscribed to that my whole professional career. And uh, it's sort of this blue-collar mentality that I bring to what I do at work and also what I do outside of work. And I don't know if it's a if it's a superpower or whatever you want to call it, but um, I'm just a big believer that uh, simplicity is uh, is important in terms of how we all operate. I really like that mentality. I wrote that one down. Simple things really well over time, and then that's it's this idea that I always 
I talk about a lot is all the good things in life come from compound interest, right? So if you, if you constantly are doing the small things right, over time, those small things kind of snowball and they become the big things. So I'd be right there with you. I really like the way, the way you put that. Okay, so walk me through the journey, man. How did you get to, to LinkedIn? How did you get into sales? You know, walk me, walk me through it. So I started my sales career 14 years old. I was uh, in high school, had a family friend that ran an antique and jewelry shop upstate New York, where I grew up, small town called Mayapak. And my parents wanted me to get an after-school job. They thought it was important when I turned 14. And I was exposed to a very, very strong and passionate entrepreneur. And he ran this antique and jewelry shop business. And that was sort of my first experience in terms of seeing sales in its most basic form happen. And uh, as I got more experience there, I began interacting with clients there and um, just really enjoyed the human interaction. And then, you know, once I graduated high school and moved on to college, began to realize that, you know, working with people was something that I liked to do. I wasn't a um, kind of a, a sit behind the desk cubicle kind of guy and um, took internships and got experience uh, in, you know, what I'd call client-facing sales roles. Was fortunate in college to get an internship with Procter & Gamble, which is where I started my career and spent um, the first six, seven years with Procter & Gamble at an entry-level B2B selling role, selling commercial dish soap and coffee in Brooklyn, which was an interesting start uh, to get a B2B sales experience selling restaurants in Brooklyn. And then, you know, over time, kind of have had this hybrid mix of working for large multinational, well-known global companies, Procter & Gamble, Staples, LinkedIn, but also along the way took some exits and worked for some startups. And some of those startups went on to grow and some of those startups went on to, uh, to crash as some of them do. But um, I've kind of got this, this history and this background of being a career sales professional with kind of that big company and startup mix. That's a, a heck of a journey. I wonder if your uh, self-diagnosed kind of blue-collar strategy to take to this has something to do with selling dish soap in Brooklyn to, to restaurant owners. That must, I bet part of that DNA came from that, that time period. Could be. Yeah, it could be for sure. <laughs> yeah. I like it. That would definitely need a lot of hustle and grit in that role. That's cool. All right. So I like this. So you've got this kind of startup mentality, blue collar mentality, but also worked at these huge behemoth companies. Walk me through a little bit at your, your time at LinkedIn. It's been seven years. There's been incredible amount of change and growth and acquisitions at LinkedIn. What are some of the kind of lessons that you've, you've teased out from your time specifically over the, the seven years at what, what looks like a tremendous ride? multiple promotions. Walk me through that a little bit. Yeah, well, it's funny. My, my entry point into LinkedIn is a little unorthodox, and I'll explain quickly because there's a, there's a mutual connection in that um, I was living at the time in Australia, in Sydney, and my wife is Australian, and we were, we were living in that part of the world. 
And I was working for Staples as a business development rep, working with some large companies in Australia and New Zealand. And I was approached by somebody that we both know, a guy by the name of Matt Loop. And um, at the time, Matt was in Sydney and he was building out his first team in a division within LinkedIn that was relatively new, the sales solutions division. At that time, LinkedIn had a very, very large talent solutions or recruiting business and a very large uh, marketing or ad sales business. But LinkedIn was beginning to dabble kind of in this, in this sales acceleration sort of space. And they were bringing what we now know as LinkedIn Sales Navigator to market. And through a referral and, and through some connectivity, I got hooked into Matt. And, um, you know, the journey really begins there. And um, what I learned along the way at LinkedIn from Matt and from others is that ultimately when you're trying to help customers or prospects solve business problems and you can show them with data and numbers and stories that they can solve those problems, you know, with your products and services, then you're doing the right thing. And um, back in the day in Sydney, that's what our team was focused on. Matt had us laser focused on that. We were bringing customers on board and we were essentially building the market. We were the trailblazers in that part of the world. So Australia, New Zealand, and Southeast Asia, we were the first on land down there selling Sales Navigator. So even though we were backed by LinkedIn and even though we, we had the brand behind us, to a certain extent, we were kind of like a, a startup group within the company in that part of the world. That would have been such a cool time to be a part of such a, a thing that has gone on to become, uh, to talk specifics, but I imagine Sales Navigator is one of the biggest you know, business units at at LinkedIn now and to be able to take that to a region for the first time. That's, that's really cool. There's a double, uh, double connection there. I do know Matt loop and I, I lived in Sydney for uh, about six months when I was a young kid. I was eight, 18, right after high school, I moved to Sydney, a suburb called Parramatta, a very rough suburb. I might add by, by myself, weird oh, yeah. time period in my life, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know Parramatta okay. very well. Do you? Yeah, there's that the, the Albion Hotel was a a bar we used to go to. Parramatta Eels was the the rugby yeah, league was the rugby league team. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Lots of fun. Um, all right, but let's get into the the book a little bit. So carry that quota. I have started it. I have not completed it. Let's wrestle with a few of the kind of the key themes of of the book. Maybe starting with. What made you decide to, to write a book? I know it's a massive undertaking. What was kind of like the burning desire in you that was like, I got to get this thing out? Yeah, so the, the why for writing the book is, is pretty simple. I very much did this on more of a personal bucket list kind of thing. I had the idea of putting something together to help salespeople for a while. And it really started probably maybe five, six years ago, actually in New Zealand, I was having dinner with a, um, with a prospect at the time who wound up being a client and has since, you know, turned into a, a friend and mentor. And he was sort of educating me and explaining to me that in New Zealand and in that part of the world, a lot of what they focus on in the present is figuring out ways that they can help the next generation when they're no longer around. And this idea of legacy 
And um, that's something that's very, very prominent in their life in New Zealand. And it's something they think about on a daily basis. And he challenged me and he sort of said, you know, have you ever thought about doing something that's going to be around when you're not around? And I, you know, that night, you know, we were, we were out and having dinner and dinner turned into drinks. And then I got back to the hotel and I couldn't get this idea out of my head. And next morning when I woke up, I said, you know what, now's the time to do this. And, you know, the content had been in my head. I started putting the content down on paper and started recording. And then in January, in 2016, got a lot more serious and, and really built out a schedule and a plan to not only write this book, but bring this book to market. So that's the why. And um, it's, like I said, it's been sort of this side project for the past five, six years. And, you know, recently it came to market and um, we've got something that is there for salespeople to help them get better, both now and in the future. And um, that's really the why, Scott, that, that's where it came from. I think that's a, an incredible why. Something I actually just wrote about fairly, fairly recently is this, this idea of, all these stories that we all have, all these lessons that we all all learn, often when we get older, we death, whatever it may be, they they they're gone with us. And I think, in at least in Western society, we don't do a very good job at quote unquote like respecting our elders and hearing those stories and making sure that we learn those lessons that that have been learned before. So we don't just have to keep like Groundhog Day, just like repeating the same mistakes again and again. So I love that you've taken that and just written a book basically of like, hey, here's my journey. Here's what I learned. If you're a, a young seller or a, an old seller, you can access my brain and it will outlive you, outlast you. I think that's a, a great why. All right. What's, what are a, a, a few of the the themes in the book? I imagine you know, there's an underpinning of do the simple things really well over time. What else is there that you're trying to, to get across to, to sellers? Maybe some of the, the stories, anecdotes, tips, anything you want to sort of, sort of highlight in there. Yeah. Well, the book itself is broken up into three main pillars and the book is designed to help the young potential salesperson that is thinking about getting into the profession or the more mature career sales professional or career professional that might be thinking about getting into sales. So that's kind of the, the core target, if you will, for the book. And the three pillars that I was alluding to, the first one is all about knowing yourself and having this self-awareness and to a certain extent, this self-confidence so that you understand what it takes to be in the sales profession and this understanding that you're going to get beat up, you're going to hear no. And it's not the kind of profession where if you can't deal with rejection, you know, this may not be the, the right profession for you. So that's pillar number one. Pillar number two is all about relationships. It's relationships with your prospects, with your clients, with your coworkers, with your managers, with potentially, you know, your partners, depending on how your company goes to market. And it's this belief that I, I firmly believe in that the currency of business is and always will be relationships. So through stories and, and through different anecdotes, there's a bunch of different tips and ideas and concepts about the importance of relationships, how to maximize them, how to develop them, nurture them, et cetera. And then the last pillar, Scott, it's, 
it's very tactical. It's what I would say are very pragmatic, detailed, in the weeds type of nuggets that I've discovered over the past, you know, 15, 17 years of being a quota carrying seller that may not work for everyone, but they've worked for me. And um, these are the things that, you know, you're not going to hear from your sales readiness department. You're not going to hear from a sales enablement specialist. These are things you're going to hear from a rep coming to other reps as to how to do those little things and, and maximize your productivity so you can be the best in your role. And um, ultimately, the book itself, the uniqueness of it, I feel the uniqueness of it is the, the tonality and the message is coming from someone who has been in the trenches and is still in the trenches. So I'm, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I've got the scars to prove it. I'm still in those trenches collecting those scars. You know, I'm not, you know, 65, seven years old, you know, telling you, you know, how it should be based on my 35 or 40 years in the profession. I'm right there in it with every single rep that, that is hopefully reading the book. And um, to my knowledge, it's one of the only books out there in you know this kind of sales genre that's written by someone who who's still carrying the quota. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that angle, and I think it's so so important. I can't remember who said it, but it's it's kind of like the quote goes: "Show me, don't tell me." Right? A lot of these books yeah. just tell you what to do based on you don't know when they did this, you don't know when this happened. They could be a, a sales consultant for ten years, which there's nothing wrong with that, but they're telling you something versus you. It sounds like in this book, you're essentially showing, you know, what you did. Here's what I did and here's what I do and take what you want. That's it. That's it. And it's, um, you know, it's small things, Scott, that, that are not what I call rocket science kind of things. But like one example that pops out is, um, you know, the simple tactics for true time management as it relates to prospecting, as it relates to follow-up, you know, the importance of, you know, having your calendar planned, you know, two, three weeks in advance based on the amount of meetings you have, prospecting you need to do, follow-up that might be required. Little small things, like like we talked at the beginning, when, when they add up, they lead to big things. And, um, you know, the book gets really, really granular. I mean, we, we even get into, you know, prior to being in the pandemic and, and dealing with this little anecdotal things to look for in face-to-face meetings, how to observe body language, different supplies that may or may not be in your backpack or your briefcase. If you're on the road, things that might come in handy that you don't think of that you might need. So it it gets pretty granular and um, it's got application, you know, obviously for in-person stuff, but but also for the virtual selling that, you know, is going on right now and, and will probably go on for the next year or so. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. All right, I, w- I want to dive not too deeply into the three three sections. Go, you're, you're going to have to uh, go grab the book to get the, the full version, but let's walk through the three really quickly. So number one was kind of like know yourself and be be honest with your with yourself. If I'm a young seller and we have all the demographics of this, listener demographics are everyone from like a, a brand new BDR to a manager, director, you know, CRO, maybe I'm a new seller and I'm questioning my choices, my decisions. Do you have any advice for how to do, I, I guess, like honest reflection with yourself? Like, how did you do that early in your, your career? How, how did you have those conversations with yourself? 
Yeah, so I think the the thing that I gravitated towards when I was earlier in my career was what is it that's pulling me in the direction to want to help people? Because I think sales in its most raw form is helping people, often helping people solve problems that they they know they have, or in many cases they they don't know they have, and, and you've got to go discover it for them. So when I would, would be early in my career and I would sort of say to myself, is, is this something I really want to do? And, you know, I got a big number this quarter. I got a big number this year and, you know, I'm, I'm working hard to get there, but do I want to do this forever. What always got me back and centered was, yeah, this is what you want to do because inherently you want to help people and you want to help people because you're a curious person and you like to learn. And I think salespeople, I think really good salespeople are so curious all the time and they want to learn, they want to help their customer. And I think if that's in your blood and that's in your DNA, then you've got the basics. You've got the kind of raw materials to be a salesperson and be a good salesperson. That for me was kind of my, my guiding principle, Scott. I like it. Curiosity is, is huge. And yeah, just rem, rem, when times get tough, you are... You're a change agent that helps others. That's what that's what you're doing. So like, no matter how big your your number seems, just if you can remind yourself that it doesn't quite seem as as daunting. I like it. All right, number number two was this. You said something which I really liked. That uh, the currency of business is relationships, which I totally agree with. I often say a slightly different version that a relationship of business is trust, which is essentially a a relationship. Same thing. Give the listeners some advice on navigating relationships early in your career. Because I, I can point to so many early in my career that somehow come like full circle. And I never would have thought that it would come full circle. And my, my boss at this time then became, you know, a customer here and all this stuff. Walk me through some, just some advice on, on for those starting their career how to think about relationships. If that is the truth, which I, we both agree upon, the currency of a business is trust and relationships. How do I navigate that before I have many relationships? Yeah, so what, what I would say is, um, the way that I would think about it is this, is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I might be dating myself, but I'm, but I'm assuming you're familiar with the, uh, the movie Back to the Future. Of course, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I would say if you're a young salesperson and you're thinking about the importance of relationships and how should I be thinking about them in the movie back to the future, they develop this time machine and they can program, you know, future time and date into this car. That's a time machine. They can go into the future and kind of see how things pan out. And the way that I would encourage young people to think about um, relationships and developing those is, Early in your career, when you're just starting out and establishing yourself, transport yourself to 5, 10, 15, 20 years in the future. And with the people that you're working with, the prospects, the clients, whoever it might be, when you go to the future, when you hop in that time machine, so to speak, are you able to go back to those people? Can they go back to you? And can you say, wow, it's been 5, 10, 15, 20 years I remember when we worked together and you really helped me solve this problem or that problem. And one of the biggest things that I love about the profession is 
being able to go back to those initial clients who were prospects and maybe you're in a different industry, maybe you're in a different part of the world, you know, who knows where life takes you. But if you're young and you can plant those seeds and build those relationships and help people out and then know in the future over time, that you can always call them. They can always call you. That's a really healthy way to think about developing relationships because there's a bunch of stuff out there today that, you know, productivity gains and technology and, you know, getting in the door quickly and all the great stuff that technology has brought is, is fantastic. But in the end, you know, it's about people. And uh, if you can, if you can build those relationships and have them last over time, that's a valuable thing. And young people need to be thinking about that. That was absolute gold. I really, really like that way of, of thinking about it. I think that will be very helpful to a lot of the listeners that that's really interesting. I've just like, yeah, Hey, could this, this relationship that I'm building right now, could this stand the test of time of like 10 years? Would this person still take my, my call or a coffee in 10 years from now? Can I show that much value in this relationship? I like it. All right. And a lot, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, I just was going to say, and a lot of it goes back to a lot of the principles that are important in sales anyway, but you know, the personalization, being memorable, being different, creating a customer experience that's so unique, they'll always remember it. And, um, you know, you do that and you do that the right way. You know, those people remember you and your team forever. And that makes it that much easier to go back to them in five, 10 years and say, hey, how are things? It's been a while since we caught up, but it was, it was great when we worked together. What's been going on since? Make them remember you and differentiate yourself from anyone else that they're working with on a daily basis. Yeah, this reminds me of literally a call I had yesterday with one of my first, uh, one of my first VPs of sales a long, long time ago. I hadn't talked to him in at least five years. He's now the chief partner officer at a massive Fortune 100 company that Outreach is, is, is trying to work with. And I shot him a note within five minutes. He got back to me. We had an incredible hour long catch up call. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Business, business karma is real. Those relationships, if, if you're doing good business with good people, they don't, they stand the test of time. All right. Last one. This is the, the, the tactical piece and I'll let you share any, any of the tactics you mentioned, a, a few of them, time management, incredibly important what to bring with you on trips. Do you want to go deeper on uh, just any one of the, the tactics, maybe one of your, your favorite ones that aren't, uh, that maybe your sales manager wouldn't tell you? <laughs> you know, I, I would say for me, the one that I continue to go back to, we spoke about it earlier with time management, but um, it's a small one that unfortunately it's just not taught, but it's just a simple one. And it's, um, when you look at your schedule and you look at your day and you say, Oh, you know, today I've got three calls, you know, uh, three discovery calls, three pitch calls, three demo, whatever it might be taking the time prior to those calls to go to the calendar and allocate the proper amount of follow-up time that's going to be required after those calls. And you're probably saying like, you know, you're Jesse, you're crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Well, I just can't tell you how often I hear from, from salespeople of all ages, 
you know, I, I just, I've had such a busy couple of days and now I've got, you know, five, 10, 15 hours worth of follow-up based on all the stuff that I was supposed to do based on all these meetings I've had. And I just don't know when I'm going to do it. And as a result now I've got to work late into the night or I've got to work on a weekend. And, um, just the small act of saying, got three hours worth of calls today. I don't care who you are, whether, even if it's a really bad call, inevitably there's going to be some type of follow-up, a thank you note, something you're going to have to get back to the client on. Just allocate that time later that day, the next day, whenever it might be, so that ultimately you're on top of it. And that's one example from the tactics piece in the third portion of the book. There's plenty others, but that one I find to be most actionable because 99.9% of reps that I speak to just don't do it. I like that one a lot. I like that one a lot. It's kind of, it comes down to, you know, you control your, your time as much as, you know, things pop up on your calendar and you have to, you know, be there when a prospect or a client needs you, like you ultimately control your time. You control your calendar, make sure you block those, those times. And there's also this piece when you don't do that follow-up, we've all been in those positions where we have like a buildup of, of follow-up and that anxious kind of energy of, you know, you have a bunch of stuff you got to do that you don't really want to do later. It's going to come with you into calls, whether it's subconsciously or people pick up on that. So if you're on top of it um, and you're doing it, you know, that same day, I think that's great. So tactically then do you, what do you do? You, you block 15 minutes after each call or, or block a, an hour block each day, or how do you tactically do that one? Yeah. So tactically for me, and this, we, we talk about this a little bit in the book, but, um, I've been subscribing to a, to a methodology since early in my career. There's a, a method out there called the action method, which is, um, it was started by a company called Behance, which, at, you know, at, at one point uh, was acquired by Adobe. And m- my buddy started this company and he, he's now at Adobe. But the action method really simply is what I would consider to be the most bulletproof mechanism to both take notes and capture action items for every call, meeting, whatever it is you might have. So for me personally, Scott, what I do is the first thing I do during every call, during every meeting is I just, as my first to-do list item, I say, allocate time on the calendar for follow-up from this call. So if I've got a 30-minute or an hour-long conversation with a prospect or a client, the first thing I'm doing is saying, okay, later in the day, next day, two days after, whatever it might be, it's going to take me 30, 45, 60 minutes to do all the follow-ups required, get that on the calendar, and then just do that work in that allocated space of time. Mm-hmm. I like it. It's simple incredibly effective. You'll be less stressed out. You'll be less anxious. You'll be much, much more effective. I could use a a refresher course, I think in this action method. So I'm going to go look at my calendar next week and I think make some, some changes because of this episode. Well, Jesse, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. There's a lot in here. I'm excited to get through your book. You have an incredible amount of insight. You've had an incredible career. So thank you so much for for coming on and, and sharing your, your knowledge with us. No, thanks for having me. Really, really great to chat. Appreciate the time. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch. Absolutely. Absolutely. And where, where can people go and get your books Is it on Amazon? I know you've got uh, uh, a website. What's the best way? Yeah. Best way to get the book is uh, on Amazon, hard copy, soft copy, Kindle edition, 
or if you're more of a digital audiobook person, it's also available on Audible. And that's uh, both in the U.S. as well as globally. Beautiful. All right, Jesse. Well, thank you again. And for all those that hung out with us, thank you so much. Have an excellent day and we'll see you next time. This was another episode of the Sales Engagement Podcast. To help this get in front of more eyes and ears, please leave us a shining five-star review. Join us at salesengagement.com for new episodes, resources, and the book on sales engagement. To get the most out of your sales engagement strategy, make sure to check out outreach.io, the leading sales engagement platform. See you on the next episode.